Okay, so today's daf is Kuf Chet in Masech Psachim. We are about 16 lines from the top of the Amud at the two dots. It says, V'afilu ani shebi Yisrael lo yuchalad shiyasev. We're talking about the mitzvah of Haseva, which is the, uh, the requirement that a person lean when they partake of certain things at the Seder, which we're familiar with this idea that we have to lean. Uh, so it says, Itmar matzah tarich haseva. If you want to, when you eat the matzah, you have to lean. But when it comes to the maror, we don't lean. Now, the reason is, is because the leaning is a sign of chirut. It's a sign of freedom, a sign of being an aristocrat, you know. And when we're eating the matzah, we're thinking about freedom. But when we're eating the maror, we're thinking about slavery. So it, wouldn't, it would be contradictory to be leaning when eating the maror. So we, only, we don't lean during that part. Uh, the question is about the wine. So it says, Yai, According to Rav Nachman, you have to lean for the wine. Well, that's a big problem because one person says that Rav Nachman said yes and one said that Rav Nachman said no and we don't know what to do with it. And that, and again, it's not necessarily a problem because because one is talking about the first two cups and one was talking about the second two cups. There's only one problem with that. We don't know which is which. Okay, so Rav Nachman said yes, and he said no. Meaning, he said two of the cups, you need to lean. And two of them, you don't need to lean. The only problem is we don't know which one. Right? You can make an argument for both. Because because you could say that the first two uh, cups are really where you need to have leaning because that's the beginning, the introduction of the whole theme of Geulah, theme of redemption. And of course, you end the second Bachav, Gal Yisrael. The blessing is Gal Yisrael. It's redemption. That's the sec- on the second cup before you drink the second cup. Before Shulchan Orech, that's what you say. So therefore, uh, you might say that the first two, but the last two, but but uh, they don't really need it because my Dahavavak has already passed. In other words, you already covered the topic of the uh, of Geulah, uh, and so you don't need to um, you don't need to say uh, to do a leaning on the on the last two. But Avamrei Lalaigi say it's possible to argue exactly the opposite that Adraba Treikase Batrei Bawaseva Haishata Dekahavya Chirut because really at the end of the seder is where you're. Celebrating freedom, you're saying the birkat, you know, you're saying the blessing on the birkat hamazon and on, also on the halal. But because uh, in the first two cups, you're still telling the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, and you're saying avadim hayinu. You say avadim hayinu over the second cup because you pour it for the magid, right? So, uh, so the uh, so so you know, you could make an argument that the first two are less chirut than the second two because the first two you're still in the middle of the story talking about avadim ha'ino and only at the end you really have the geula. Or you could make the argument that you're introducing that concept of geula the first time. You don't need to belabor the point and uh, and revisit it in the last two, right? And Tosafot says, what about matzah? Matzah also comes after the first two cups. So if you're going to say the first two cups are uh, are enough for uh, chirut, so why do you need the matzah? And so he says that. Um, he says, because you already, first of all, you already, the, the, the matzah is really the ikar hasuda. That's really the essence of the meal is the matzah. That's more than anything expresses, uh, you know, is the, is, is the meal, is the core of the meal. And if you're going to lean, you need to lean for it. And moreover, you, if you have already two cups of wine that you're leaning for, you fulfilled the idea of leaning for wine. Um, with the first two, but you haven't done any leaning for, for anything else. So therefore the matzah would still be a candidate for leaning. And also it says explicitly in the Torah that the leaving of Egypt 
is a, uh, you know, was signified. The fact that they were redeemed, was si- the speed of the redemption was signified by the matzah, so it's especially relevant to lean for the matzah. That's the Tosafot that says, hava hava. But in any case, the, um, uh, so hashtad itmar hachi itmar hachi, so you might have thought that, well, since we don't know about either one, we should just let go of the whole thing and not have any leaning. But the answer is that, no, the opposite. Since we have an argument from both ways, we know that only two of the four actually require leaning, but we don't know which one uh, ones they are, so therefore we do both. Now, there's a very, very famous uh, Ran here, a very famous Ran, that the uh, Rabbin Runisim says that uh, usually we say, Safek Durabananda Hakel. So why here are we saying Safek de Rabbanan? So we do both. No, we should say no on the first two cups. Safek de Rabbanan. If I need to lean, so if I didn't lean, so so therefore we don't need to lean. And the last two also Safek de Rabbanan. Do I need to lean? Safek de Rabbanan lekula. We never need to lean, right? So why, why don't we say that? So it's a very famous run because it it goes into like what does it really mean? Safek de Rabbanan lahakel. He gives two answers. He basically says first of all, Safek de Rabbanan lahakel is only when it's an, it's a problem to do it. Like it's comp- you know it's, it's going to be difficult. So we we are lenient because it's a rabbinic thing, and you don't have to go out of your way to be stringent in the case of a safek. Here, what is the big deal? So you lean on the side. It's not a uh, it's not a big deal. It's like if you have a safek de Rabbanan, you have to throw food out because of safek de Rabbanan. You know, it's going to cost money. You're going to have to, it's going to waste food. It's going to ruin your Shabbat or whatever. You know, so you say, Safek de Rabbanan, Lehakel. Here, what are you saying? Safek de Rabbanan, so I don't have to lean back on the side. I mean, what, what, why are you, why are you being so, you know, so particular? So that, that's number one. Number two is he says, Safek de Rabbanan is where there's going to be something left. In other words, here, if you invoke Safek de Rabbanan, you're going to erase all of leaning because otherwise you're going to be inconsistent. Because if you say Safek de Rabbanan in the first two, so you have to also say Safek de Rabbanan in the last two. And then basically you erase the idea of leaning from the cups altogether. There's going to be nothing left. It's not like you're going to, in other words, if you say Safek de Rabbanan in the first two, but not the last two, you're being inconsistent. So you're going to say it on both and you're going to eliminate the whole institution. So therefore, we don't say Safek Durabanan Lahakel in that case. That's what the it's a very famous round um, says over here. So therefore we say we have leaning on all of the cups. But so that Pakdan Lashmayaseba, but leaning back, like you know, leaning directly back is not considered to be uh, leaning for these purposes. Um, it has to be on the side, not not on the back. And uh, moreover, he says also Hasebat Yamin. Leaning on the right side, Lashma Seba, it's not considered leaning properly. and not only that, not only that, but you might end up choking if you lean on the right. Now, the interesting thing is, according to the way that Rashi and Rashbam learn it, that's not really the reason that you don't lean on the right side. They say that, what, that's talking about Praktan, that, the, that it's saying that you're not allowed to lean back, like directly back when you eat or drink because you could choke. And that actually makes a lot of sense. Right? They say the reason you're not supposed to lean on the right is a different reason, not because of choking. The reason is because how are you going to eat? If you're leaning on your right side, you need your right hand. Right? So according to that, According to that, if you're a lefty, you should lean on the right side, right? According to the way that Rashi Rashbam say, if you're a lefty, you should lean on the right side because you, you, you don't need your right hand, you need your left hand. But others say, no, also leaning on the right is more dangerous for choking. I've heard a lot of people argue that that's not the case. I have no idea if it is the case or not, that but there are people true. that are. Yeah, is it? Yeah, I've heard people say that. So in that case, then everyone should really lean on their right. So that's, that, I've, I've heard people debate that. I'm not really sure. Lean but if you say left. it's true, then I'll accept it. What? Lean on the left. That we lean on the left, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so everyone has to be a Democrat on uh, Pesach. That's what I said. Everyone has to lean to the left, yeah. Now, uh, so now, Isha etel ba'ala, a wife in the presence of her husband, she doesn't have to lean. 
Now, the reason is because she's supposed to show respect to her husband, and it's and also because they say it's not the derech of women to lean. Uh, it wasn't the style. But if she's an important woman who is a noble woman, and therefore it is the, 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 the way of the noble women to, uh, to lean, so therefore she would lean. Uh, nowadays we say, you know, all of the nashim are chashuvot, all women are, are considered princesses, and therefore they should all uh, lean as well, just like we do, except that we say that if, they're, if, they, don't, if they missed it, they don't have to go back. But, they, but we... Uh, but they do, ideally, everyone leans. And Ben, it's a Laviv by Hasiva. But a son in the presence of his father, even though a son is not supposed to be too lax in the presence of his father because he's supposed to show respect to the father, he's allowed to lean. Um, and and uh, one of the reasons for this might be because the whole mitzvah is like, it's like you're supposed to be teaching your child. So you can't really, so if the child is going to be uh, involved in the mitzvah, Fully, you can't, uh, you know, you can't pull rank on him and say that, you know, well, you ha- you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to lean because you're in the presence of your father. Since actually, in a sense, the father is serving the child in the uh, in the said there because supposed to be teaching and educating the child. So you could argue that that would be it would be a different situation. But it's a But what about a, a student in front of the rabbi? Tashima Abayekav. So I should say Amar or something, right? Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, what is on the side? When we were in the house of Rabbah, who was the predecessor of Rav Yosef, so the original teacher of Abaye, when we're in his, in, in his presence, so what do we do? We would lean on each other's knees. In other words, they'd be sitting together at the Seder, they would go to the, well, I guess they were some, you know, probably on the, the years that they were in the dorm or whatever they had, you know, when they were away at, at Yeshiva, they would be having the Seder with the, with the Rebbe. Like, I actually used to do that when I was in Yeshiva, many times did that, didn't come home for Sidarim. And so, not always, but sometimes. And so the, uh, so they would lean on the knees of each other. They didn't have like pillows behind them to, or on the side to lean, like we use pillows maybe, but they, they leaned on each other's knees. Um, so they were leaning, even though they were in front of Rabbah, apparently. But then they came to Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef took over after Rabbah as the, uh, as the head of the yeshiva. And at that point, he said, You don't require this. Why? Because because the fear of your teacher is like the fear of heaven. In other words, because of the respect you have to show to the, to the Rebbe, therefore you, uh, you don't lean during the, um, during the Seder in his presence. Now, obviously, if he gives permission to, the, uh, to, to everyone to lean, so then it's fine. But if he, do, if he doesn't get permission, the assumption is you can't like lean back in your chair in the presence of the rabbi because it's not respectful. Now, the, the, the Tosafot asks, what about if the teacher is the same as the parent, meaning if the father is the teacher of the students, uh, of the children? So he says, at first he said, maybe that would be, uh, that would be a different story and we should say that they, they shouldn't lean uh, in front of their father if the father is the teacher. But then he says, but you, nev- you never see the Gemara making that distinction. And since many fathers were their children's teacher back then, uh, it stands to reason that the, the father is an exception to the rule, even when he is the teacher of the children. Uh, the father is, uh, in, in the presence of the father, the child never has to sit up straight during the seder. He can always lean, even though the father is also the teacher. Now, it so, says... But if leaning is one of, is the halakha to lean, uh-huh. you would imagine that the rabbi would want the students to lean. Right. No? I mean... Yeah. So if yeah. He would probably give them permission, but the point... Right. So there's a conflict, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a conflict between two halachot. There's a conflict between the halacha of uh, 
respecting the rabbi and halacha of of uh, the seder. So if the so the point is that teach it, that the the respect due to the teacher is deoraita and the leaning is only the rabbanat. So he could say he, he he can you know. So the default is that you you. You, you know, but if he says to them, you know, and most rebbe's probably would say to everyone, oh, you know, please feel free to lean and don't worry about it. But if they didn't, so then you would have to go by the default. It's like it's a similar similar conflict. Like let's say you see your, this is in Masachet Kiddushin. Let's say you see your parent do something wrong, and you're supposed to, so you have a conflict because on one hand you have to respect them, on the other hand there's a mitzvah of ocheach tocheach etamidach. You're supposed to correct them. If they did something that isn't right, so how do you have a mitzvah on one hand that says that every Jew, if I see they're not doing, so, they did something that's wrong, I need to help correct them, and and if I'm sincere, we're not talking about you're trying to get in a fight with your uh, parent. You know, we're saying you you, you want to help them, like you see that they didn't know something, right? Let's say, for example, you know, you, you see one of the older uh, relatives doesn't know, he puts his tefillin here, or whatever, you know, something like that. He doesn't know. Right, so you want to help him. So on one hand, you have to be respectful. On the other hand, you have to help him. So the so the Gemara says, oh, in that case, you go and say, oh, I think I learned this, or didn't we learn about this one time? Where I read here, you try to do it in an indirect way. You don't, you know. So so you have to satisfy both. So here also, you have to satisfy the uh, conflict between the two uh, two mitzvot. And now it says, what about this bright? I made the way. A person can lean with everyone. It says in the Brayta that you could actually lean even in front of your teachers. How could you? How could Rav Yosef say otherwise? The answer is that's talking about a disciple, like a uh, what do you call it, a apprentice, right? An apprentice in the presence of the craftsman. So, in other words, if the person is a carpenter, right? If the carpenter has an apprentice, the apprentice doesn't have to be. Uh, uh, it, it, it doesn't have the same obligation of respect towards the to, towards the chief carpenter that he does towards his uh, towards his rabbi. So therefore, he would be allowed to lean in the presence, even though he might feel a little uncomfortable because it is a hierarchical relationship where the you know the mentor is higher than the uh, than, than than the student. But still, we talk to some students very close to the rabbi. Why? It's like. Somebody who's very close, obviously, that's what we're talking about, right? Well, yeah, but it's still, he wouldn't lean without permission, right? He wouldn't, he wouldn't lean in the presence of the rabbi without, without his permission, so he would have to get permission for the seder to do it. But it's saying when it says that the student, uh, there's two types of students. A student could be like your student in business. You have, a, you have an intern, he's your student. Uh, you have a student in uh, carpentry. You have a, you're, you're, you're an auto mechanic. I don't know, anything. So that kind of student doesn't have the same obligation of respect. <clears throat> so if you invited them to the seder, they would be allowed to lean. They wouldn't have to take your permission to, to lean. Okay? Oh, it's, not, it's not an analogy. It's literally... Is that what it's saying? It's a Talmud. Right. It is a Talmud. It's just it's not a... Craft, usually, not right. It's just in craft, not in Torah. That's the thing. Yeah, there's no... It, that, that's the point. You can have a student. It's just not in, not in craft. Not, not, right, not in, not in Torah, I mean. So, Ibadah, they asked the question. Shamashmai, what about the waiter who uh, waits on everybody? He also is in a subordinate position relative to everyone else. Does he have to do uh, leaning? Or the fact that he's in a subordinate position makes it uh, contradictory for him to, to lean. So, it says, if the waiter eats a kazait of matzah together with the group, uh, when he's leaning, he fulfills the mitzvah. So you see, mesev in, mesev lo. You see from that that he has to shemavina bayasev. You see from that that he requires leaning because it says even the waiter has to lean. So even a person who's in a subordinate position. In other words, the idea is that it's not about subordinate versus superior. It's about a mitzvah. when there is an obligation of special respect. 
So then you can't disrespect when you're doing the leaning. But when it's just a subordinate position that the person is in, that the, it's just a, uh, you know, it's not that he has an obligation, like the waiter doesn't have an obligation to respect the piyazim mitzvah kavod towards the people that he's waiting on. He doesn't have that. He's just in a, he's just in a position, a secondary position. But that doesn't mean that he has an obligation of respect towards them. So therefore he's allowed, to, not only is he allowed to lean, but he has a mitzvah to lean. Right, and that's that women are obligated in the four cups of wine on Pesach. Um, because they were also in this nest. Now, this is a very famous discussion here uh, about what does it mean. It appears in a few places in Shas. This It's also the reason why women are obligated in Megillah. It's also the reason why women are obligated in Chanukah because they were also involved in the miracle. Now, here you have a the simple, straightforward reading that most of us would probably assume, which is the reading of Tosfot, and then you have the reading here of Rashi and Rashbam that's creative and different. What the Tosfot says is what both what most of us would assume, which is what it means. Afenayubotoanes means that just like the Jewish people were enslaved, the Jewish men were enslaved in Egypt, and so were the women. In other words, they all experienced the miracle of Yitzhak Mitzrayim and need to celebrate equally. Just like the women, uh, just like the men were threatened by Haman, the, the, the women and the men were both threatened by Haman because he was going to kill everybody. So they were all the Otoanes, they all benefited from the miracle. They all have to acknowledge Hashem. Similar with Hanukkah, all of the Jewish people were threatened, so all of them had to. So, in other words, it's the same. That's the simple reading. But the Rashbam and Rashi here. Take a different approach. That what it means is that it was the zechut of the women that brought about the ness of Chanukah, the ness of Megillah, the ness of uh, of Pesach. Because we say because in Chanukah we have the story of Yehudi, to she, you know, she was able to uh, disarm the the general by feeding him dairy, and then we have the you know we have Esther on the story of Purim and the story of Pesach. We always say because of the Nashim Sadkaniot Sheba Oto Ador, because of the righteous women in the in in the time of uh, Egypt. That's why the Jewish people survived and and were redeemed. So meaning Afen Ayubotones means they took part in the miracle. They, they played a role in the miracle, not just that they benefited from the miracle. Um, the question becomes, the Tosafot asks here, well, what about Sukkah? Sukkah also, they uh, benefit from the miracle. So how could they uh, see according to Rashi and Rashbam, they could get out of it. They could say, yeah, well, that's our proof for our position because they, they're not obligated in Sukkah. There, there's a proof because they didn't have anything to do with Sukkah. That's why. Right, but according to the way that, according to the simple way that it means means they benefited from the miracle, so they benefited from the miracle of sukkah also. So why don't they need sukkah? So Tosafot gives the answer that this is the rabbanan. In other words, anything the rabbis instituted. Okay, they included anybody who was in that nest. So four cups of wine on Pesach, Megillah, Chanukah, they're in, they created the mitzvah, so they created and applied it to everyone. But the is only we have the rule of mitzvah tasecha as man grama, only something which is uh, 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 something which is a positive time-bound mitzvah. Women are exempt, and that's, that's the biblical thing. They never came in and made a takana that, no, we're going to override that rule of, uh, of uh, mitzvah tasecha as man grama, that that women are exempt, and we're going to impose it on them. They never made that. So in the in the mitzvot that the rabbis made, they were more egalitarian, if you were, if you will, you know, in terms of who who the application. They said, look, if we're making something kriyasumanes, we're going to apply it to everyone. If we're making something which is you know celebrating the of Pesach, we're going to apply it to everyone. But if uh, if it's something that Torah instituted, we're not going to change you know who's obligated in it because of what we think, you know. Um, in any case. 
that's uh, the women are obligated. We're going to see what that means in a second, but uh, the, the way that the Gemara is going to assume it means, according to Rashi's interpretation at least, is that uh, every, that these four cups have to have the amount that is mixed in to a good cup. A good cup is a cup that has one part wine and three parts water in their, in their mixture, right? That was their recipe, one to, one to three. So, meaning, if you have a revi'it of wine which means literally one-fourth of a log of wine. You have a revi'it of wine, so really the amount of actual wine in there is one-quarter of a revi'it of wine because actually only a quarter of it is wine and three-quarters is water, right? So the way that Rashi assumes the Gemara is interpreting this is that you can make all four of the cups of, of, of the Arba Kosot out of one-quarter of a revi'it of wine, meaning, oh, reading, the, meaning the amount that you would normally, yeah, of their wine back then, that the amount that you would normally mix in to one cup, you could divide it over all the cups and that would be enough. That's, what, that's how Rashi assumes, the Gemara assumes that what it means, okay? That would make these cups of wine very weak. Okay, they would be at a quarter strength of the usual, right? That's so. That, but let's come back to that. And shatan chai, if you drank it raw, drinking it raw means undiluted, because remember that they diluted it three parts water, one part wine. So if they if it's undiluted, yatza, you still could fulfill the mitzvah. It's your problem that you drank it undiluted, right? Shatan bevat achat yatza. If you drink it all at once, you chugged it at once, you fulfilled the mitzvah. Now, the, the way Rashi interprets it is he says, you took all four cups, you poured it into one giant cup, and you chugged that at once. But everyone else says, no, that would just be drinking one cup. It's just very big. Right. So, they, so they, the other Rishonim say, no, what it means is that you drank all four of them at the beginning, meaning you had Kadesh, and you said, you know what? I'm just going to drink all the wine now. One, two, three, four. Okay, let's go. Now it's easier to get through a Magid. You know? <laughs> the, guy, the guy drinks like that, says, Yatza. Fine. He fulfills mitzvah. Now, if you hand it around to everybody in the family, the Gemara will explain that it means that there was a large cup, basically, and there was enough for a group of people. They don't have to each drink from a different cup. They could each drink from the same cup, just that it has to be very full. Okay, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. The Gemara will explain. Now it says, Okay? If you did it this way, basically, that you drank... The four cups, okay, and uh, you you uh, you combine them all together in that way. So he says, You drank four cups, but you didn't drink it. Well, first it's talking about the undiluted wine, right? You fulfilled the mitzvah of the wine, right? The uh, meaning you fulfilled the mitzvah of drinking wine, but not chirut because you didn't drink good wine. You drank undiluted wine. So he's he's commenting back on what was said before. What was said before was you could use undiluted wine. You got, you could drink it chai. So he says that would be good to you fulfilled the mitzvah of drinking wine, but you didn't fulfill the mitzvah of showing chirut because the uh, and and the way the Rashbam says it's enzo mitzvah shlema. Okay, it doesn't mean that you didn't get credit for the mitzvah. It's just saying it, you didn't do it in the best way because it's not so, it's like drinking it, you know, undiluted. It's not, it doesn't, it's not as pleasant. So you're not really doing it exactly the right way, but you fulfill the mitzvah. And then it says um, uh, um, that Rav Amar, and what I think there's another girsah here, the Rif has, uh, takes out Rav Amar. Fine. That's talking about the case where the person drank all of them, at, you know, in the beginning and didn't do them in order, right? So that person fulfilled, again, the mitzvah of drinking wine he did, but he didn't fulfill the mitzvah 
Of Arba Kosot, because the Arba Kosot has to be done al seder. It has to be done in the proper places. You have to drink each cup of wine at the proper place. Right? So, you, so since you didn't do it in its proper place, uh, you didn't fulfill, the, and, Rash, and therefore Rashbam says, V'kulan chashuvin kos rishon velo yoter. V'tzorich lavi od shosha kosot al seder. Right, according to the, this interpretation, so there's two possibilities. Either it should say Rav Amar, and it's a machloket, and actually Shmuel was saying you fulfilled the mitzvah of Arba Kosot if you drink the four cups in the beginning, and Rav's saying no, it only counts as one. Right, that's one possibility. The other possibility is that what it means, uh, he that he means to say that you, uh, that so in other words, that it's a, either it's a machloket or it's a. Um, or it's a, uh, it's a clarification that it means that you, you fulfilled the mitzvah of drinking wine, but you didn't actually fulfill the mitzvah of Arba Kosot, so don't think now you're off the hook now. When it said that yatza, it just means that you, you get credit for the first one, right? So it, you don't get credit for the rest. Um, and either way, don't do that. Uh, now, um, now the hishkam and the banav levnei veto yatsai. If you share it with your family, it's a, it's good. So Each person has to drink the majority of the cup. Now, what that now the way that the, they explain it, the way the rishonim explain it, is it doesn't mean the majority of the cup because it'll be nothing left. But it means that it, this is, we're talking about you had a big cup with many reviot in it, and each person drank the majority of a reviot. In other words, there were enough. Let's say you want to share one big cup with four people. It has to have four reviot in it. You could have one cup, but it has to have four reviot, and then each person will drink the majority of. So they fulfill the mitzvah that way. It says that each one of these kosot has to have a revi'it in it, right? Whether you drink it raw or you drink it diluted, whether it's new wine uh, or old wine, old wine obviously being better. It has to look like wine and taste like wine, okay? So that's meaning to say that you can't dilute it too much, that it's... Um, Right, that it's going to be water. Now, the, but the point, it has to still be red, right? Now, the point is, in other words, when it says mazug, you might say, okay, I'll put a tiny bit of wine in here and I'll mix in a, a ton of water and that way I'm fulfilling the size. No, it has to at least look like and taste like wine. You can't, can't go overboard with the dilution. There's but the discussion of white or red. Or... Yeah, they don't discuss it in the Gemara. The Rishonim talk about the white or red. So, you know, there's a machloket Rishonim. The Ramban in general is against using white wine for any kind of kiddush. Um, and the, 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 the thing is that in the Beit HaMikdash, they always used red wine. So the Shulchan Aruch recommends red wine uh, for, for the seder especially, and even for kiddush, because the Ramban was against white wine, so he recommended red wine. The, the Ashkenazim in a lot of countries had the minhag of using white wine specifically, and that was because of the blood libels in Europe. Because, they, uh, because people would say, oh, they use the blood of the children and this and that, and all these sick anti-Semitic things that they said. Crazy things. So to avoid that appearance, they would use white wine uh, in a lot of cases to, for that reason. But basically, the Ashkenazim maintain, their rule is that what, whichever wine is better that they have. So if they have a white wine that's better, they'll use that. If they have a red wine that's better, they'll use that. For us, we always go for red wine for the Seder. Shulchan Aruch says we should always choose red wine. It reminds you of the Dam. It, you know, it's actually supposed to remind you of the Dam. That, that was the problem that they had, that it, remi- that it looked like Dam. It looks like blood, so then it's going to, you know, especially if you have people looking for trouble... They're going to they're gonna see that. But either way, what does it say here? It says that you need a revi'it um, in each cup. And Rashi said, so the way that Rashi interpreted the Gemara originally was that Shmuel was saying you only needed one quarter of a revi'it of wine across all four cups. But here you see that that's not true, right? You need an actual proper quantity of wine in each cup. So which one is it? Do you take one 
the measure of of undiluted wine that we normally have for one cup and disperse it across the uh, uh, across the four, or does each one require its own? So the so it seems like a contradiction. So it says no, that's not uh, the, oh, the, the, that's not. We, we misunderstood Shmuel initially. It says, Amrei Chad, oh, so, right, so it says, Katani Mihat Kedeu Ve'it, right? It says, Kedeu Ve'it, you need a Ve'it in each one. Vat Amrad, Kos Yafa, you told me that you only need the amount for one, uh, for one cup across all. So actually, you don't have a Kedeu Ve'it in each one. You have a quarter of the amount that you need for a Ve'it of wine in each, uh, in each cup. Because what you need for a Ve'it of wine in a cup is a quarter of a Ve'it, but you're taking that quarter of a Ve'it and you're subdividing it Across all four cups, right? So you're putting one sixteenth, you know. So that's not enough. So the uh, so so the so the Gemara answers no. We misunderstood Shmuel initially. That really Amrei idiv idiv chad shiurahu. My kedem is get kos yafad the kamar lekol chad vechad. It didn't mean that you take the amount, when it said you need uh, the amount that you mix into a good cup. It didn't mean for one cup. Meaning, it didn't mean take the amount that you mix into one good cup and spread it across the four. It meant each one of the four cups requires the amount. Right? This is the, the, but the, 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 the Rashi says that's what the Gemara is explaining here. Okay? Uh, alternatively, according to the Tosafot's reading, they, that they originally thought that you, that you would need, um, that you would need a, uh, a full rivi'it of wine, not a quarter rivi'it of wine with three parts water. And then you see here that it's not true. And the same answer, basically, that each cup requires the regular amount of wine, undiluted wine that you would mix in with the regular amount of water that you would mix in. And don't, don't, uh, misunderstand it. But now the question is, um, Rabbi Yehuda. Right, he says it has to look red. So I'm Arabah. My time at Rabbi Yehuda. Dichtiv al terayin ki tadam. That's a pasuk from Mishlei that says it's talking about not to get drunk. You know, don't look at the wine when it gets red. Meaning, don't go after wine and become a drunkard. You know, but it says it call it calls wine adom. It says that wine is red. So you see that wine is supposed to be red, and if it, if you dilute it too much. It will no longer be considered wine if it loses the color and the taste of the wine. According to the Tanakhama, even the kids are supposed to drink wine on Pesach. Obviously, not the same amount. That wouldn't be good for them. What, what, what good is wine for kids? Some of them might dispute that question. Right? Rather, we give out to them parched grain and egozin and nuts, Berf Pesach. So at the Seder, we hand out to them different kinds of nuts and treats and things like that. So that they will not end up going to sleep, right? So they will not go to sleep. And they'll ask questions. Okay? And uh, and it says that Rabbi Akiva would hand out, like he was the candy man on Pesach. He would give everybody nuts and things so that they would stay awake. They wouldn't fall asleep, right? The candy man is an institution that goes all the way back to times of second Beit HaMikdash. They had the candy man. But mainly on Pesach, it looks like, right? So they would stay awake and ask questions. Tanya, it says in the right, Rabbi Eliezer, Omer, Chotfin Matzot, Lele Pesachim, Shilton Rokot Shalishnu, that they would grab the Matzah. Now, the way that the, uh, that like the, um, the many interpret this is that it, that's the taking off the seder plate and putting back all the different things that we do with the Matzah. We move it, oh, take it away, put it back. The Ramban says, and it's something, I didn't even know the Ramban had this custom. This was a custom like I, I did in my family for many years. And then somebody just pointed out to me that the Ritva was one of the Rishonim said that, oh, my teacher, the Ramban, had a custom on Pesach that he would say right after the, uh, right after the, uh, uh, after the Karpas, okay, let's do Berkat Amazon, we ate enough. 
Oh. You know, like uh, okay, let's let's say bachachrona. We ate enough. Let's go because you take the you're supposed to take it away and bring back the uh, you know for the kos oh, to make people say manishtana, right? No Before the manishtana, so they would it would scare the kids. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean we're not eating? We have only karpas. You know, so they would, it only works like the first couple of years that you do that because, you know, after a while, they're like, okay, we know every year you say this, it's a shtick. Well, no, you didn't really mean it, yeah, because you didn't really mean it, but the point is you say, because you're supposed to take away said their plate, and then it says, Mosgin Kosheni, and the Tinokot, and then the kids ask, So they, so that's one interpretation of Chotfinat Hamatzot, you take away the plate, you put it back, so that they start to ask questions. The Rambam says you're supposed to play games with them, you're supposed to like grab the Matzah, throw it around, do things with the Matzah to get their attention, so they stay awake, play, sort of like they get the, the Yeah, that's one thing that they do, that's yeah. similar to that, that's like what the Rambam says, really. And then the Rosh Bamir says that Chotfin means we rush to get to the meal, meaning we don't go slow, we don't delay the start of the Seder, and we don't drag out the Seder because we want the kids to be able to stay engaged from start to finish. So Chotfin means to rush the Seder itself. And it says, They said about Rabbi Akiva that never in his life would he ever say, It's time to leave the Beit Midrash. Okay, except for Erev Pesach and Erev Yom Kippur. Be'erev Pesach, b'shvil tinokot, shelo yishnu. On Erev Pesach, it was so the kids wouldn't fall asleep. In other words, he would rush home to make sure that he w- they could start the Seder on time, that everything was ready to start right on time so the kids would not fall asleep. And Erev Pesach, Erev Yom HaKippurim, in order to Kedesh Yachilu at Benehen, so they would have time to feed everyone, to feed the children and everything in advance of the, uh, in advance of the fast. So the, those were the only times you would leave the Beit Midrash early, but that just shows you how important it is to start the Seder as on time as possible so that, uh, so that the kids are able to stay engaged because they do start to fall asleep. And to be totally perfectly honest, so do the adults. You know, the adults... Uh, the adults start uh, fading out really quickly too and are usually more prone to asking when do we eat than the kids. And then, but the miracle is that it's getting very late and everyone's like, oh, it's so late, it's so late during the Magid, which maybe takes like 45 minutes or something like that, you know? But then when you're eating, you sit there for three hours and nobody notices that it's the time is going by and all that. And then oh, we have to do the Afikoman now. And then, and then everyone's falling asleep during Birkat Tamazon and Halel. It's good to try to... Uh, Keep things running smoothly and 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 in a a more a tighter ship so that so that everyone benefits from the seder as much as possible. Okay, Bezvashem will continue tomorrow.